when I worked for ODOT, there was that guy I've told you about that sounded like Boomhauer from uh, King of the Hill. You know, right. the only thing I could understand him saying was when we drive by a motorcycle, he'd be like, "Is that real?" <laughs> Oh man, what would he say about Harley's new electric motorcycle? He'd be oh, he like... would—he's probably on suicide watch right yeah. now because <laughs> the the liberal hippies are taking over. Oh yeah, his beloved Harley brand. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading this article and they're like, you know, about they were saying how expensive it is. It's like thirty grand or something. No, it's it's twenty or it starts out at okay. twenty, but still that's. That's twice as much as it should be, yeah. you know, but that's that's Harley. Right. <laughs> so they were just saying, like, yeah, they're trying to, like, capture, a, like, a younger market. And they're like, well, you're really not going to do that if you have a $30,000 motorcycle. Yeah. It, I, it, I joke, I sent it to Adam. I was like, you want to buy one? And he's like, maybe we'll just split it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, actually, that's a good idea. <laughs> you take it for a week, I take it for yeah. a week. Harley's market for the last 20 years has been Dennis that want to act like they're bad boys yeah. and they hit their midlife crisis uh-huh. and they've got a lot of, lot of money to spend and what better way to do that than to buy an, an icon you know or, or a logo essentially right um, right and then you have people like Boomhauer that are like is that real you yeah. know to other bikes yeah. and you're literally like looked down upon if you don't <laughs> buy a brand which is so funny that um that clientele you know, they would probably make fun of people for wearing a particular type of jean. Like, oh, I only wear $300 jeans. Mm, or, you know, like, yeah. or being, like, obsessed with technology or something. But they're doing it themselves. Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird. Especially, <laughs> like, how, like, all the accessories have to be, like, genuine Harley accessories. and Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure if you looked at, like, brand loyalty, Harley has to be, like, pretty far up there as far as, like, you know, they, they don't step outside. And you know what? I mean, I even got into it. You know, I had that 883, and, you know, that's even kind of a joke bike to a majority of Harley riders, right. you know? Like, it's like, oh, that's not a real bike. But it's like, <laughs> come on. It's a cheap bike for getting around town. I don't need a giant <laughs> cruiser, right. you know, to get, to drive a mile. Right. And um, But even myself, I would be like, when I was looking at accessories for it, I was like, eh, I could get this aftermarket thing, but, but the Harley one... Like, <laughs> and it's so funny because my Yamaha that I have, I, I'm the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't want the Yamaha parts. Right. I want, like, the really good third-party parts right. that are much better, you know? Right. <laughs> so, uh, so what are you drinking tonight? All right. So, right now, I have the uh, North High Stardust to Stardust. It's an Imperial IPA. What about you? So, right now, I am drinking the Rheingeist Cafe coffee milk stout which i'm a huge coffee person so pretty much anything that's coffee flavor i i'm guaranteed to like so but yeah it's it's pretty good um i don't drink stouts too often i don't know why because i like stouts but i just i don't know for some reason i feel like i have to be in the mood for them or something the past couple times i've been in guitar center it is just looking like raggedier and raggedier you know like it's it, like, remember when we were in Sam Ash and we're like, man, this place looks like a, a, a pawn shop. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I feel like that is like the direction that Guitar Center is going. Like their shelving is just like falling apart and like nothing. I don't know. It, it's just it's kind of sad to be like, man, this used to be our jam. And now it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah. <laughs> you know? It, it was it was the Apple store of like you would just go in and be like, I can't never or I can never afford this. Yeah. But yeah. I want this and this. And yeah, I completely agree. And I don't know if it's it, it, it can't just be the Morse Road, you know guitar center or sam ash right like it's got to be um systemic right you know it can't just be or maybe it is i don't know maybe they're just like (laughs) and you (laughs) You would think with such like a big brand as guitar center why haven't they moved out to easton yet like they're still in that like crappy plaza you know that has like second you know english second language uh uh school right beside it you know (laughs) Yeah. I'm just like, what is going on? It's just, it's weird. I, I think I, yeah, here's a, an article from, well, this was from three years ago, but Guitar Center's financial troubles only getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Last week, we learned Guitar Center laid off a good chunk of its executive employees, 40 to be exact, and the financial analysis did not look good. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, and truthfully, that's why I was kind of worried about Stu Mac when they were getting bought because they were privately owned. And right. it was like they were doing good in their niche market mm-hmm. of being tool makers for luthiers. Mm-hmm. And all these buyers were coming in and saying, you could be three, four times bigger, you know? <laughs> and it's like, uh, yes, <laughs> but <laughs> is that going to make you... You might get short-term five, ten-year growth or something, but then you turn in the guitar center and you're too big and yeah. you, you have to cut back and right. and it's even worse. I don't know. It's just um, kind of scary to think about. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I remember, like, let's see, we grew up in Lancaster, Ohio. It was probably a 45-minute drive to guitar center from, you know, our house. Yeah. I, mean, I remember we'd just go up there, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it'd be, like, it'd be a Saturday, be like, hey, you want to go to Target right. Center? We'd probably right. spend, like, an hour there at most or something, and we'd go to rallies afterwards. <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that's crazy to, like, to think about that now, because I'm like, is there any place that I would drive 45 minutes just to, like, window shop? And I don't think there is such a place anymore, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just... I I can't like I don't know maybe that's that just that adolescent you know like lusting I, after the the stuff but yeah. I, I I do think it is I think it it ties into when we were you know seventeen eighteen and you know you were in your mid teens and mm-hmm. stuff what else were we gonna do right you know? um, right <laughs> and so it was this hey do you want to go here and. You know, it kind of felt like an adult thing. Like, we were controlling ourselves going up there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not being able to afford the things, but that didn't matter. And, (laughs) you know, so and I I wonder if if the reason, like you said, there's not really a store that you do that with now. Um, But, I don't know, I kind of get a little of that feeling when I go to, you know... Lowe's or something yeah or, yeah <laughs> and I'm like ooh, I could build that or you know it's like kind of you know it's the joke from old school where he's like yeah we're going to what Bed Bath & Beyond <laughs> tomorrow oh, I think it was <laughs> yeah. Home Depot yeah he's like yeah we gotta go stop by Home Depot yeah. and like all the young kids are like looking at it. <laughs> but he was he was legitimately yeah, excited about going to Home Depot being serious <laughs> it's funny how like the the things that excite you you know, as you grow older, it's, it's so, it's like, I can't imagine like telling 16 year old Kevin that I would be going to Lowe's and be like, ah, look at those door handles. Those are, (laughs) those are so nice. We need to get some of those. Cause that's something that we recently did is we, we painted our doors. So all of our doors in our house were just like crappy hollow core wood doors from like 20 years ago. And we're like, Let's just paint them. They're going to look so much better. They're going to match the trim. Yeah. So that's what we did. We we painted them, and then we got, all, like, all new door handles. So all the door handles match. And yeah, that's I, nice. I love, like, that's something, like, that, that gets me going is, like, continuity of things in my home. Like, I want all the door handles to match or all, yeah. you know, it's, like, I don't know. Are you like that? Like, does does like having mismatched things like bug you, or are you <laughs> like, uh, are you okay with that? Can you sleep at night? <laughs> no, I'm the same way. And um, you know, in our old house, it was just you know a smaller house. It was like 1,400 square feet. Mm-hmm. And re- you know, those doors. I don't know if you remember them, but they were they were the crappy doors. Uh, but they were like flat too, so they even have the fake like, or well, I guess it's real, but the you know indentation, the mm-hmm. like adornments on them. So it was right. literally just flat doors. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were going to be selling the house, I'd always wanted to replace the doors with real doors. Uh-huh. And I, there's, it's kind of like car doors. There's nothing like I like better than a nice like solid feeling weight behind yeah. the door. Yeah. And um, <laughs> my realtor was like, "You can do that." But you're not going to get your return investment. Like you can't be like, oh yeah, I spent five thousand in doors, right. and <laughs> you know it, it added ten thousand to the house. And he's like, sorry, nobody's gonna they're gonna laugh at you for that. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. Um, but what I did do was every single um, outlet plate 
and light switch plate and stuff mm-hmm. and door handle. Um, they were like all different. And I, I know bronze and to an extent, well, bronze color, mm-hmm. I should say, is huge in like houses built, you know, between 1960 and 1990 and stuff. And, you know, I think the reason is, is because copper actually has a, uh, a benefit, you know, so if you have a copper door handle, mm-hmm. it actually prevents bacteria from like living on it and stuff. Mm. Like that's that's one of those old things why stuff was made out of copper okay. because like th- they figured out, hey, hey, this is really good to have as like door handles because yeah. when you're touching stuff, it doesn't, it, it's it, the stuff can't grow on it or something. I'm not sure the exact properties, but I think at a certain point, people were like, <clears throat> oh, you know what, we we hate it when the copper. Um, starts to oxidate mm-hmm. and it starts turning into you know even though it's still copper right and so like in the 70s they're like we could do copper plated that it's just like this fake <laughs> gold looking yeah <laughs> thing that stays that way all the time and right and I, I i just dislike that look i hate you know fake gold stuff and oh everything. yeah so, oh yeah and so um what we had done did in our old house was replaced yeah all those outlets all the light switches and door handles with it was um the dark bronze fake stuff so it just like kind of and we remember old house had all that like natural wood Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and so kind of like offset it a little more and stuff but my current house has so many freaking doors (laughs) like (laughs) i mean the the room i'm in right now one two three four five six seven there's seven doors in my room right now Uh that i'm sitting in that I mean, <clears throat> if you just replace all your handles, you know how much all the oh, <laughs> getting yeah. like the because oh, I yeah. like the satin ones, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure in 30 years that's going to completely date everything. It's like, oh, everybody using aluminum back in the yeah. early 2010s, yeah. you know, it's <laughs> just like dating stuff from the 70s with right. like shag green carpet and stuff. Right. But I, w- I would love to spend take like five grand and just replace all the hardware, mm-hmm. the hinges, the mm-hmm. handles, yeah. everything, you know, so it makes it the same. So so that that was the the kind of the battle is like so I I really like like the the fit and finish of like the expensive like the Slade or the Baldwin. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it doesn't make sense. It's like having like a 1993 Civic and putting like $8,000 rims on it. <laughs> you you yeah. why would you do that? So we just went with like the the quick set, you know. I mean there it's still it's still not cheap it's like 25 dollars a handle or something like that but still like i'm like one day i will have solid oak doors and i can get these baldwin (laughs) door handles that that are beautifully crafted in germany yeah well i mean like um the other hilarious thing about my new house is no door is the same width so it's like again in the room I am I'm in one door uh-huh. is 30 inches one next to it is 32 inches the door into the basement is 36 inches oh my goodness <laughs> and it's like I, I, um Katie's uh mom gave us a door just an, an old wooden solid door you okay. know and it was like perfect and I was mm-hmm. like okay great I can replace one of my my cheap doors with it and it didn't fit any of the damn doors in the basement <laughs> Was it what too narrow, too wide? Well, it I was mean, too wide. It oh, was okay. like thirty-eight inches. Or oh, something. okay, yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, they're all over the freaking place. I know. <laughs> I thought when you mentioned the '93 Civic, I thought you were going to say it's like you know, adding to a 1993 Ford Tempo. Oh, I yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I should have. I should have said the Tempo. That wasn't in my my forefront <laughs> memory, but, but yeah, yeah. Uh, dear listener. Um, I don't have a photo, I don't think, of my uh, car. I drove, I had my dad bought a Ford Tempo in 1993 and stuff, and I, I drove it in the late 90s, early 2000s. And every picture I look at, I'm like, is that what it looked like? And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like it is, but then I, I, you know, take a step back here. Let's see if you can uh, see this link and verify or not verify if okay. that is the... Uh, See if it's how I remember it being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I was a little <laughs> thrown off by those rims, but I guess maybe that's how they were. I I just I I I need to go back and 
you know well what's hilarious is remember um adam would always take off his um what are they called the emblems on cars yeah you know? yeah he had a ford civic so, or not ford Civic. he had a honda civic so he would take off the civic and i remember he kept it and i was joking that i was going to take off the tempo and put on <laughs> the civic on the back of it and then through college we, we would joke with that we would like you know put a lift kit on it and have like <laughs> um, like giant tires so it could go off-roading and stuff hilarious i kind of like wait weren't you showing me that uh oh, go ahead sorry oh no i was just gonna say like I would love to see, like, somebody take, like, say you're super rich and you're like, I don't care that this car is worth nothing. I want to, like, restore it to, like, mint condition. Like, you spend, like, <laughs> 50 grand, like, rebuilding it bolt by bolt. But then it'd be in your car collection of, of all your exotic cars. And then you're like, this is, this is my <laughs> pristine 1993 Ford Tempo GL. Uh-huh. With the, well, they they, the, they did have. I'm looking at the Ford Tempo Wikipedia, and in '92 they had a three liter Vulcan V6 engine that came from the Taurus. Mm. <laughs> so it definitely had some get up and go. Yeah, it was the GLS model, um, and then it was only out for a year. But it's kind of like uh, Adam had that Dodge Omni, and um, let's see here, GLH, and it stood for goes like hell. Okay. And it was actually, let me make sure I'm getting this right, but um, it was Dodge wanted an answer to the Golf, like hot hatchback. And so mm. that's kind of what the uh, um, uh, Dodge Omni was. But then, um, oh, who, who who's the Shelby guy? I mean, his name is Shelby. Uh, but Car- Carol Shelby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His company... Um, actually made a shelby gl h s dodge omni here i'll copy this over so you can take a look because this is pretty pretty wild so i've always joked like when i do get rich you know you were saying hey uh buy a tempo i would love to buy this car for adam (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) oh man it it would be cool to have something like that just because (laughs) it is like unique enough that like you know people (laughs) I love that it's uh, zero to sixty is only six point five seconds. I know <laughs> that's like nothing in today's standards. I know, but like for a car that weighed like five hundred pounds and mm-hmm. stuff, it was essentially just like a go kart, right? <laughs> which, speaking of which, have you ever had Genesee beer? No, I, I've never heard of it. I don't think. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up. I think to me, it's the new Paps. Okay, it's like the new cheap beer for like young hipsters to drink. You know, it's super cheap, Mm -hmm. and I've never liked Paps. Um, I was never hipster enough, I guess, (laughs) to be able to drink it. (laughs) That's funny. That's what the beer label looks like? It's just blue and white like that? Huh. Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah, I have never... I love how they said introduced in 78, and I've never heard of that. Yeah, and... I think you would have. (laughs) And I, I... Where was it brewed? Where did it start? I remember looking it up at some point because, like, when I lived in Seattle, the, like, go-to beer for people out there where they just wanted a cheap 16-ounce beer or something mm-hmm. was their Rainier beer. Okay. And and to me, it tasted, and I'm probably saying sacrilegious stuff right now, but it tasted like old Milwaukee to me. <laughs> <laughs> and... I, I'm all for an old Milwaukee every now and then, especially if it's like a dollar and you get a 16 ounce can of old Milwaukee, you know, like, right, right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's worth it and stuff, but it was definitely, um, kind of funny how much I saw that beer, uh, around everywhere. And stuff. <laughs> Here you go. Here's uh, I'm looking at, it's like a, from their social media feed and, uh, there, <laughs> there's a guy podcasting, drinking his, uh, his Genesee, and I think it's pronounced Genesee. Genesee. Um, but if you've never heard of it, maybe I'm saying it wrong. And yeah, I I would like to know. We'll have to we'll have to figure it out where they started, because it seems like it would have to be like a West Coast East Coast thing if we haven't heard of it by now. Well, let's see, New York, which makes sense if it like spawned out of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, 
actually I'm gonna text Roach right now. Yeah, it actually I on the on their one can it says New York's oldest brewery. It, it it's probably one of those things where it's just like New Yorkers would make fun of like Ohioans because you know we have no good food or whatever mm-hmm. other bullshit they mm-hmm. come up with. Yeah, but it'll be like you've never heard of Genesee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on the Wikipedia, um, uh. There's awesome, you know, because Wikipedia gives its, uh, I don't know what the term is when it spells it out, uh, the pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. But it is gen uh C, Genesee. Okay. So, yeah, that was right. Yeah, so I just asked Roach, uh, what are Brooklyn hipster thoughts on Genesee beer? Super important. <laughs> 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 we'll see if he responds. Depending on how quickly he gets back to you is the the uh, level <laughs> of uh, importance for that beer in Brooklyn. Uh-huh. Yeah, sometimes I'll text Roach and he will get back to me within seconds. This one, I'm not even seeing a little dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Fine, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I well, do. You, I know you don't live that close to campus, but do you notice when you are downtown for like OSU games or something, what do you see students carrying 12 packs or 24 packs or 30 packs of? You know what? I, I want to say like, I think it was just like Bud Light. To be honest with you, like so expensive though. Yeah, <laughs> like so. There's this. There. <laughs> there's this. Um, like frat house that's that's pretty close to where we park if we go to Ohio State, um, Buckeye games, and um, th- it's always funny because it just reminds me of Campbell Street so much. Like just like beers, just all strung out <laughs> on the front yard, but um, but yeah, it's usually all always I think just like Bud Lights. But who knows what those those crazy kids are drinking these days? <laughs> the um, uh, there's an Athens, Ohio subreddit, and it's kind of funny mm-hmm. because I would think a students that are on Reddit would be like a part of the Ohio University subreddit or something, you know. Uh, but there is an Athens, Ohio that's like just specific for the city. And let's see, they just posted this the other day. A Twitter account is alerting Athens bar goers of undercover cops. <laughs> so there's there's literally a Twitter account that just updates uh, students. It has 1,500 followers right now that is just saying, hey, the cops have come to this bar. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, something tells me that's going to get shut down soon. They just had a thing about... Um... So New York, I don't know if it was the state, um, but anyways, they they filed a cease and desist against Google, who is the the company that owns Waze, because they say that it is um, criminal to alert people of like the location of like DUI checkpoints and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I think that's interesting. And I, I kind I, I see the 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 kind of the validity in that, but at the same time, like I don't think if there's a cop hiding, like trying to speed trap you or something, like I don't there's any harm in letting people know, like, hey, you should look out for that cop. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember when Waze first came out, you know, the app there was a lot of states that tried to block it. Yeah. Or be like, Whoa, 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 Apple can't let this on your store and they're like why and they're like well they're letting people know where we are and Mm -hmm. show us where that's illegal you know right and and i think i think one thing that is illegal is flashing your lights right that was the original hey Mm -hmm. there's a cop up here and cops can pull you over because there's some rule that says you know the only that's a misuse of lighting you know it only emergency vehicles and police officers are allowed to have some type of lighting to let, you know, people know they're coming and stuff. <clears throat> That's funny. I actually, I, right. I just did that, like, not too long ago. There was, yeah. like, a, a cop hiding out. Have you been using Waze? You know what? I haven't. I haven't gotten gotten on the Waze uh, bandwagon. <sighs> I, as much as I dislike Google tracking everything, because Google does own Waze, uh-huh. it is amazing. It just, just, especially now that you have the new car that uses CarPlay, uh-huh. just put on Waze, just have it on. You don't even have to put in your destination. There'll be a thing that pops up and it'll say, 
20 users have reported a cop here and then it'll say are they still there yes or no and you're like boop no or boop yes or mm-hmm. there's a pothole ahead sometimes it gets annoying because it's like there's a car on the side of the road and you're like eh, i don't care <laughs> you know like right uh but the cop thing is like so awesome mm-hmm. and especially around a city like columbus where there's so many people using ways yeah it is like invaluable to mm-hmm. know that and I, I don't even really speed but it's just nice knowing where cops are and you don't get that like feeling of oh what was i doing wrong and stuff, yeah so. yeah do you <laughs> do you find it 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 usually is pretty accurate around like big cities and stuff oh yeah yeah i mean mm-hmm. because it's it's um uh, uh uh crap what's the term i'm looking for not socially it's uh crowdsourced oh okay yeah <clears throat> yeah because it's crowdsourced so the more people that are using the app and say yes, there's a cop there. The 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 better the data gets, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, super helpful in like places like DC. And now that it's a part of CarPlay, I just literally have it on. Like <laughs> it's like I'm not. I don't even put in an address or anything. I'm just like, oh yeah, what's coming up and stuff. And even yeah. a small place like Athens, it's still pretty helpful. You know, it'll mm-hmm. be like, hey, there's a crash reported ahead, and you can see where the crash is. And right. you say my biggest problem with it is when you have like an eight lane highway right before the Morse Road exit and the Easton exit. Oh, okay. Um so right there there's there's people coming from six fifteen, I think. I think that's where six fifteen merges with two seventy, like yeah. right before that. Mm-hmm. Right there is always something going on. Mm-hmm. You know? There's yeah. people on two seventy trying to get over right to go over to Easton or to go over to the other stuff. There's people getting off six fifteen trying to get over left. So there's always some slowdown. The worst part is is when there's an accident and it's like at a standstill. Waze mm-hmm. is great except for when there's like six lanes like this. Because okay. right now, Waze does not tell you what lane the accident is in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, it should be able to say, hey, we know the accident's been reported in the far left lane. And so you know, hey, maybe I shouldn't be in the far left lane. Yeah. Or we know it's in the far right lane. So mm-hmm. that's my biggest complaint about it. But you still see, hey, there's an accident ahead. This is going to slow you down by seven minutes because this is what our users are reporting, you know, yeah. because then yeah. you can look out and you see the red and it's like, oh, yep, they got past it and stuff. And it's right. real time because it's the real users. So now now is there a way to like know if it's on your side of the road? Because what if the accident's on the other side of the road? Yeah. Like, well, is, I do. Well, do you, does it tell you like it's no. on your lanes? No, no, and that's that's what I'm saying. It doesn't tell you where the lane is that oh, okay. the problem is. And it would be easy enough because you could say you, – you don't even need to be specific. You don't need to be like, oh, it's a third lane from the left. It could just be like, is it on the left or the right side? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that simple question would be so helpful, right? Right, right. Especially for those wide lanes. Like, it doesn't really help a ton if it's a two-lane or a four-lane or something. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you could just say, yep, I verify it was on the left side, done, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um. But uh, but definitely recommend. Just try it out. You know, just <laughs> plug your phone in, put ways on. Just drive drive around. When you guys are going to dinner the next time, and you already know how to get there, mm-hmm. like the fastest way. Don't even bother using the direction stuff. Just put it on and see if you know what it's like and stuff. Okay, I'll have to download it. So I finally started. Thanks to you, I finally started my great picture migration of all of my pictures into one photo album so i already bought the two i think it's 200 gigs of apple the for the uh, cloud Mm -hmm. so once i get everything migrated over then i'll turn on icloud but it's like been a huge fucking process (laughs) like it's ridiculous yeah it's one of those things where it's like you know you need to do it and it's going to be a bitch to do it, but once you do it and you just get that system in place mm-hmm. of every time I take mm-hmm. a photo or whatever, you know. And what's nice is if you use your camera, because you still have your Nikon, right? Right. Is now that you have that set up or once you get that and you log or import that into your, your new photo library, mm-hmm. it will upload that photo immediately to your thing too. You yeah. know, I mean, it, and so you'll be on your phone and it won't be instantaneous, but like mm-hmm. maybe the next day you'll be seeing your Nikon photos there. Right. It's just right. It's super, super helpful. So as of right now, which I, I think I'm just about done, um, which I'm sure some photographers out there are going to be like, huh, that is nothing. 
but um so i'm sitting right around 70 gigs of pictures and i think it's about 10,000 pictures that i have so mm-hmm. i don't i don't think that's too shabby but i i know there's people out there that are like well mine is like 80,000 pictures and i have 2 terabytes you know so uh, but yeah, I mean, just to to get everything into one place is massive undertaking. And I kind of, I'm like, I'm worried, like, even though I'm transferring them over, I still feel like, like something's going to be like left behind or something. And I know that's silly to be like, well, you probably don't even know what picture that is. But at the same time, it's just like, I want to make sure like everything is moved over before I, yeah. I decide to uh, dump the old the the old photo album well a, a good thing that i mean <laughs> uh katie and i have like nine different photo backup archives <laughs> Jeez. and like i because when i did this process it was like okay katie's gonna need to do this too on her machine uh-huh. uh because we weren't ready yet to combine our photos truthfully like one library to rule them all you know like yeah. katie's photos yeah. my photos all mixed uh, we saw them separate. So when I was doing Katie's and backing up all her stuff, I did the same thing. I was like, okay, her old machine had this photo library, and that's 32 gig. This one that I made called Katie Photo Library 2 <laughs> is 65 gig. And I, I literally just keep them on an old hard drive. like, mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where it's been years now. Probably I did this whenever iCloud Photos came out. Uh-huh. Um, and... She hasn't come across anything and been like, you know what, where was where was that photo out, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but it's just there's a backup strategy called uh, there is a backup strategy called three two one, okay. and what it stands for, and I've actually um, followed this is <clears throat> is it means that you need three total copies of your data, mm-hmm. okay, two of which are local but on different mediums. And so it could be on a hard drive. It could be on a computer, mm-hmm. et cetera. And mm-hmm. one copy offsite. So that's why it's called three, two, one. You have three copies, two different methods, and at least one is not in your house. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and what's, what's awesome is, is things like um, online storage and stuff has made this much easier because security reasons aside, you could use Dropbox or, a place like Backblaze is what I use for my computer backup. So Backblaze mm. will act like Time Machine. Okay. You know, and it'll just be making copies of my computer securely up to Backblaze. But then you could also use Time Machine locally on your regular hard drive, right? Mm-hmm. So if your house burns down tomorrow, you've lost your computer, Time Machine, all that stuff. Didn't matter if you're backing up the Time Machine every day. You at least have this Backblaze thing in the cloud mm-hmm. that can... uh you to back up from you know it's right, just one of those right. yeah and so the photos is a very similar thing so the fact that you don't want to delete that stuff just hard drives are so cheap now buy a <laughs> buy a 500 gigabyte hard drive dump that crap on there and put it you know in, a, yeah. in your safe or something or just in a right. closet you know right. and <laughs> yeah because i think i think it's the fact that like you know knowing that you've deleted the the a copy of it or something like that, you Mm -hmm. know, like I, in a perfect world, I would have one, like you said, one library to rule them all and nothing else would exist. You know, like every photo I've ever taken would be in this one library. But at the same time, it's like, like I said, like with these old libraries, I don't know for sure if I want to delete them or not, because what if something didn't come over or, or, you know, like, there's well you know the best way to do that kevin (laughs) is open up your you know what's great about your photo libraries is you can be on a different mac and just point iphoto to that library and it will open it up and Uh so you could literally just have side by side and just be going through photos (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it's and i'm sure there's a automated way to do that and i I know there's a lot of people that do that that could just be like i just want to search um, well, actually, you know what you can do is um, go to your photo library. Is it on your um, Mac right now? Uh, the the master one or just the? Yeah, okay. it doesn't matter. Just okay. wherever. Yeah, it's if it's a new one, if it's the old one. Okay. Okay. And then go. Yeah, it's like normally in your user account pictures is the default location. 
Yeah. Okay. Once you're there, you should see photos library or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you click that, that's just a, uh, I don't know what um, Mac OS calls it, but that's a bundle. Okay. And what you can do is if you right click on it, you can see. Uh, called. Uh, oh, there it is. Show package contents. This isn't going to do anything. All it does is open that package. That's um, a Mac OS package. So have you, did you do that? Do you see like attachments, database, masters, private, etc.? I don't. Did you right click and did you see the open package contents? So I'm right clicking on photos and I don't. No, no, not the app. Not the uh, app. Oh, like the actual yeah. folder? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So go to go to okay. your KVAN or whatever your user directory is. Gotcha. Pictures. And then you should see photos library or photo library or something there. Okay. Library. Yeah, now click that. And then like the third down. Show packet f- contents. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now do you see some folders, attachments, database, mm-hmm. masters, et cetera? Mm-hmm. So if you click masters... That should show, I think it's always based on the year. So I okay. see 2002. And then when you click that, it shows 08, which is August. And it shows the date. <laughs> you know, it shows all this stuff. But these are the actual photos okay. that your photo library has. So if you're really, like, cautious about it, you could literally just copy all these folders in here uh-huh. over to another hard drive. And then you could, like, start removing them from their little folders and say, hey, I just want to see if there's... 17,000 photos, 16,000 photos, whatever it is, 500 photos. Mm-hmm. And then you go to your new photo library and you say, hey, do you have 17,000 photos? And it's like, no, we only have 10 photos. And it's like, whoa, something's weird here. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you could literally just go into these folders and drag these fo- photos over. You know, there's no, um, I mean, that's all they are. It's just photos, you know. Gotcha. Gotcha. Huh. Yeah, that's good to know. And, and so that's a that's a slow way of doing that. But, you know. Uh, there's something to be said about doing something quote unquote analog where you're literally mm-hmm. just using your eyes to verify. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I think like I'm not so much worried about like pictures uh, disappearing because I know like the important ones are there. Like that's mm-hmm. not, but the, the thing that I'm worried about is there's, there was times, especially before I photo and it was, or before before photos and it was iPhoto mm-hmm. and when you ha- would take video and those videos mm-hmm. would import mm-hmm. and I just I want to make sure some of those videos are coming over because like even yeah. if it's like a 30 second clip of something like that's something that you're yeah. never going to be able to get back so well same thing happens in in that same folder if you've recorded a, a, f- a movie it's mm-hmm. tagged Mm-hmm. And it's in there as well, you okay. know. So, it, same thing it, to to the photos library. A mo- I mean, I, I'm sure it thinks of them differently in some way, but it'll keep every all the movies in there as well. Yeah. So you could do the same thing, um, and and import your movies, and they're tagged by the date and stuff, and you can go in and do all that stuff. You know what I wish is looking at old photos, and it, it's something that um. With my child growing up, I want to take a photo of their room, like, I don't know, once a year or Mm -hmm. once every six months or something. Because I look at old photos and I'll see something in the background, right? I'll see uh, a DVD case with CDs and games and Mm -hmm. movies and stuff. And at the time, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I could list all the things I own, right? I own this, 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 and I own this, this, this. And, you know, 20 years pass, and I'm like, what is that? What is that CD there? What, you know, like, <laughs> or what is that uh, thing on the top of our uh, dresser there? You know, it looks like a, something. And I would just love to see my room from when I was 10. Uh huh. You know, um, I can vaguely picture it. And it, I don't know if you've heard those things that every time you try and remember something like from the past, you're changing your memory of it because you're like the chemicals in your brain are forcing you to like fill in the gaps. And so you might be like, Oh, I completely remember that day. It was sunny and it was 82 and I was wearing a red shirt and 20 years go by and you're like, of course, yes, it was sunny and it was 82 and I was wearing a blue shirt. And at some point you've like, your actual memory of the thing has changed because mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You've only focused on a certain thing, and somebody's like, "Oh, what shirt were you wearing?" And I was like, "I'm pretty sure it was blue." And then you're like, "Oh, yep, that's my memory now. I was wearing a uh, blue shirt." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I'm, I look at old college photos, and it's like, <laughs> like when Brett and I lived together, I'm looking at her wall, and there's <laughs> right now there's a shot of Craig, Craig's girlfriend at the time. And a T-shirt that says "Fuzzy" on it, OU football. Mm-hmm. And there's a cardboard cutout of something like a wheel or something. And then next to that is like a mask. And I, at first, I'd be like, "Oh, I think it was a badger mask." But now that I look like at it, I don't think it is. Here, I'm gonna send this to you. And I'm like, "Oh man, I like. I wish I would have just taken a photo of the wall." You know, I I remember we had stuff on the wall, like from the Fuzzies, uh, which was a sorority on OU's campus. Um, And like, what is this cardboard wheel? And there's a handprint on our on our (laughs) cabinets. (laughs) Like, why is there a handprint right there? Why can I see it? It's probably just because of the flash. But like, (laughs) let me know when you get the photo. Okay. So that handprint, it's on the cabinet, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that funny that the camera picked up that handprint? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then, like, I don't think the black thing by Craig's face is a mask. I think it's, like, another shirt or something. Well, what's the what's the cardboard disc-looking no things? Okay. No idea. <laughs> All right, Kevin, are you ready for another? I think so. I am now drinking the Dogfish Head 120-Minute IPA, another Imperial IPA. I would say it's probably the first uh, – it's the first beer that I heard about that you couldn't easily get. Right. Um, you know, growing up in Ohio, we always heard of uh, Great Lakes Christmas Ale and stuff, mm-hmm. and that was like, oh, it's hard to get. But at the same time, it was like you could still go to Kroger and get it, but it was just, oh, we already sold out. But this 120-minute IPA, I remember hearing about it, but you couldn't get it in Ohio for a long time. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you had to be, like, lucky getting into a store maybe in Pennsylvania or something. And, and now it's funny. It's just – it's – Dogfish Head has it everywhere. Now it's still expensive. I think it's, like, $9 a bottle or something. Uh, uh-huh. Pretty crazy. And uh-huh. it's only 12 ounces. So it, it's still a special beer, but it's it's definitely much more widely available. Right, uh, right. But uh, what are you drinking? So I have the Alaskan Brewery uh, Spruce IPA. It's an India Pale Ale brewed with spruce tips. I have no idea what that actually means. It's <laughs> like real pine tree in it, or I, I bet. Yeah, everybody yeah. just adds tons of crap to their beers now, and they're like, boom. Yeah, <laughs> brewed with spruce. So one story that's making waves today. I don't know if you've heard about it, but Spotify has mm-hmm. plunked down. $500 million to buy both Anchor and Gimlet. Kind of crazy. So they were just saying how they're just trying to diversify their auditory experience with, uh, you know, getting into more other, you know, other mediums instead of just, um, you know, like, man, that's, that's crazy. Like that they're, they're throwing that much money at it. But I think there's something to be said that, uh, podcasts are here to stay for sure so marco arment makes the podcast player that i use it's called overcast and i think super simple awesome podcast app Mm -hmm. that it has you know a thing called uh, smart speed where it'll like cut out the silence in between podcasts so if if people release a podcast that isn't well edited um it'll it, it doesn't speed it up like oh i want them to talk at two times speed so we're like talking like this it's not that at all all i literally do is look for silence in between words and be like eh, we're gonna remove that and he has a handy little he he's not the only one doing this in in the app but uh um it since it's the app i know or i use i should say uh the one that i know but in the like about settings of the app it will tell you how much time you've saved (laughs) Um, so let me pull it up Okay. Uh, let's see here. And I pretty much use it for every podcast um, because it's almost seamless. It, it, it you don't, re- you only notice it if the 
episode or the podcast is like badly recorded um but that's very very rare uh let's literally cutting out silence so that 30 seconds of me looking for the app obviously if you're listening you don't want to listen to that (laughs) you know it'd be like oh michael found it you know click right well anyways he wrote an article back in 2015 um about his podcast going free and this was back in 2015 and he kind of <clears throat> talked about how podcasts are making money and big money is going to be coming to podcasts soon. Mm-hmm. And he said, just watch, it's going to be coming. And so it, when it, Spotify announced this, I was just like, of course they are spending $500 million on, uh, you know, <laughs> I think Gimlet Media is getting like 200 of that. Yeah. You know, who, who knows yeah. how much they bought Anchor for and stuff. But it's just wild. So podcasts were have been around since like 2003. Like the, I think the official t- uh, definition of a podcast is literally just um, an RSS feed that lets people download files. You know, you mm-hmm. subscribe to the RSS feed, it downloads a thing, et cetera, it moves on. Um, Apple kind of stumbled into becoming the podcast king. <laughs> Because in like 2005, iTunes like four or something was like, hey, we're going to support podcasts now. And and a lot of people think iTunes like hosts people's podcasts. So mm-hmm. it annoys me when people are like, hey, make sure you uh, uh, it's not just, hey, make sure you download our, our our podcast from iTunes. It's it's like, make sure you use the iTunes feed to download our podcast. It's like, no, I all iTunes does is point to your podcast. So our podcast mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm is not being hosted on iTunes. Right. We just right. signed up and iTunes is pointing to our thing. So iTunes does nothing. Like literally Apple has done the bare minimum to make podcasts work, but like yeah, they're still yeah. the number one thing. Well, Spot, uh, Spotify a few years ago started getting the podcast. And the thing that kind of worries me about this, and I think they announced it with Gimlet and I could be wrong, is it's going to be um, uh, exclusive to Spotify, mm-hmm. you know? And me, as an Overcast user for my podcast, I don't use Spotify. Um, well, one, I don't use Spotify at all for music, but I don't definitely don't use it for podcasts. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's like you're getting this um, – it's almost like the video game world where we have an exclusive game for the PlayStation 4 or, or for the Nintendo Switch and stuff. And it's like, no, one of the most amazing things about podcasts was – I could literally just be on my computer and have Winamp playing this file, you know, like it's, it is, it is just a a thing pointing to an audio file or even a video file, you know, but um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's got me a little worried, uh, but, but it's cool that Gimlet Media got $250 million or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. So in this, in this article, we'll, we'll link in the show notes, uh, uh, Wall Journal, uh, Journal, Journal, (laughs) The Wall Street (laughs) Journal article. Wall Street Journal. All right. Let's feel it a little bit. Um, But it says he estimates that video commands a trillion dollar market compared to roughly a hundred billion combined music and radio industry. So he asks the question to myself, are your eyes worth 10 times more than your ears? So... I think like you were going back to you were saying it, yeah, it's like the the big bunny train is is coming down the tracks with this. Yeah. So Sorry. Oh no, and I'm just gonna say and I was just gonna say, you know, I think as more so like Will Farrell is is gonna be anchor um Ron <laughs> Burgundy, he's he's coming out with a podcast. So I think when you have more high profile, high celebrity you know, pe- brands and companies are going to be like, oh, well, we need to jump on this bandwagon. So, yeah, I think it's just uh, it's coming down the, the pipeline. Well, and I've been listening to uh, Conan O'Brien's podcast and he just started it. And I I mean, we both actually I think you were the one that got me in the Conan O'Brien back in the mm-hmm. 90s. Like mm-hmm. you would stay up super late and you thought he was so funny <laughs> and I remember, like, one year we did New Year's together, and I thought it was hilarious that he would do the hour behind New Year's, because obviously he had, it, well, he wasn't the the 11.30 to to 12.30 time at that point, mm-hmm. he was the 12.30 to, to 1.30, so mm-hmm. at, at, at 1 o'clock he would do the, the central time uh, New Year's, like, yeah. <laughs> it was just yeah. like, 
the dumbest, funnest thing, you know, that, that like, you know, I absolutely loved it and stuff, but, um, but his podcast is like Conan O'Brien needs a friend or something. Okay. And the, the premise is, and I don't even know why they even have a premise. It's just kind of, it's another thing. There's so many like celebrities now that have podcasts that interview people. Yeah. Um, you know, like Mark Maron, like Mark, Mark Maron didn't pioneer podcasts um at all like he was years late but he pioneered the idea of like hey i'm a, co- a comedian and i can talk to people you know right for right. an hour and stuff um and he's a good interviewer and you know i mean you know but like so nothing that against conan for having this but like his premise is oh i've had all these people on my show but we're not friends so i want to see if we can become friends no there shouldn't be a premise it should just be conan is just talking to people just like all mm-hmm. these other podcasts that are out of mm-hmm. like i'm talking to this celebrity for an hour right um and then you were telling me that like conan just announced uh like his show's changing it's gonna be yeah like, it's a new format yeah and and so i'm wondering like you know they have an ongoing joke um of oh conan needs to pay for his malibu beach house now and it's that's what the ad break is <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, we went to the. Uh, it wasn't the first Bonnaroo. It was the second one, I think. Let's see, I want to get it right. Bonnaroo musical. And for anyone that doesn't know what Bonnaroo is, it it started out as another hippie festival. You know, like Fish was the headliners, etc. Mm-hmm. But over mm-hmm. the years, it's just like like Kanye has played it. Radiohead yeah. headlined it yeah. one year and stuff. It, it's been. It, you know, it's kind of crazy how that's transformed because uh-huh. it's like it's just big big money music festival like coachella now yeah and it's kind of cool but at the same time it's just i don't know it's just it's interesting um but we went oh what are you gonna say no i i just kind of like a a side note this is not like really podcast worthy but um uh did you ever finish the fire festival documentary uh no i i the more i read about the netflix version the more i was like i don't want to give them views because it's the f- Jerry people that made that one. Okay. And remember how like every interview is like all these people that worked on the festival? Yeah. And they were like these are supposedly professionals that are like, "Oh, we book these type of things, but it's not our fault. We we're just doing what we we're told." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "It's mm-hmm. really f-ing weird." And and so I uh, I didn't finish it. I hear the Hulu one's better just because the Hulu one calls out f- Jerry for making oh, okay. the um Netflix one. Uh, yeah. But but anyways, what were you going to say about Did you finish it? Yeah, so I did end up finishing it. And um, so, yeah, it was just to begin with, they don't even really talk about the, you know, the Jerry guys at all. Like they talk about them in the beginning, like when they're first adopting this this festival. Yeah. But what's well, because they're the ones interviewed. Those are the people mm-hmm. from the marketing, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just um, and it's just it. it it's just really like that guy. I can't remember what his name was, but like, so the, the festival was this huge flop and all that stuff. And then he like, he started, it was called like NYC VIP. And so he was like basically using the, so he's like already being investigated by the federal government. And he's like launching (laughs) another company called NYC VIP to like say like hey we got tickets to the Grammys and like <laughs> pe- and people people are like calling bullshit. they're like I actually work for the Grammys and I know like we don't give tickets out or something like that so yeah that that like the more that documentary went on the more like I hated that that the the main guy that's like in I think he's in prison now or something yeah oh like, yeah he is and stuff yeah and and that was the main dig against the Hulu documentary was. They got an actual interview with the guy, but they had to pay him like two hundred thousand dollars or something. Mm-hmm. And so people were like, "Whoa, this guy's making money off of it." But where <laughs> the other one, I'm like, "Well, yeah, Jerry made all the money off of the event. It's not like they're the ones in jail, right? And right, they're making right. they made this documentary, so they're making all the money that Netflix paid them. Like it's just like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I, I get the guy was a douche, and Jaw Rule's probably a douche. But at the end of the day, you can't." play dumb like oh hey we're just doing what we were told you know who else said they were doing what they were told the nazis (laughs) you know like hey man yeah when the fuhrer is telling you you gotta you know 
kill the Jews, you just got to do it. You know, like it's like, come on, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little self-serving. All these people are like, you know, I don't know. Like the, the guy that ran it might be like, hey, we need an island. But he can't. And I think I was even saying that night. He can't like, yes, there's a person that makes decisions and stuff. But somebody's bringing these things to make these decisions. And somebody has to say, we can't do this. We can't do this. Like, it's not mm. possible to do this, mm. you know? And so from from that guy's perspective, as douchey as he was and all this stuff, if you're surrounded by yes men and women, not all the blame can be placed just on him, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, ba- but back to Conan, what what were you going to Oh Oh, yeah, so saying. Conan. Um, so anyways, yeah, sorry, Conan. I know... Uh, he likes to make fun of his appearance, but he just had a very apparent uh, uh, tan line on his head. But uh, Brad, our drummer in our band, uh, we went to the the 2003 Bonnaroo Festival, and it was just like 105 degrees <laughs> and not a cloud in sight. <laughs> it was just <laughs> so miserable, and like getting into the festival like took like six hours. You know, it's just one of those things that like it is so weird. Because I think here it says there was 80,000 people. OSU Stadium, or the Horseshoe, can hold, what, 100,000? 105,000? Yeah, yeah, like 105. Yeah, and it's a show after, right, when Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. need to get out and stuff. But it's not like it takes 10 hours to get out. You know, it's not like there's 10 hours of traffic getting in, 10 hours of traffic getting out, you know. And it's just weird to me. And I get it. These big festivals like Bonnaroo, they are in like just a giant field, you know? So there's no, mm-hmm. there's no structure building to have all these cars. But anyways, it sucks. You're, you're waiting a car forever. And <laughs> it was so hot. And, and Brad <clears throat> was wearing a bandana, you know, to kind of protect his head from the sun. Well, and it didn't matter how much sunscreen he put on his face because, after three days in this 105 degree, just bright Tennessee sun, like he pulls off his bandana and it's just like <laughs> bright bleach white. <laughs> and he's just got this line just oh, like man. all the way around and stuff. And uh, I think I have a photo of that. I'll have to look that up and stuff. But that just reminded me of that. That's but hilarious. man, looking back at this 2003 lineup, this is the most like early 2000s lineup. I could probably put together of like a hippie festival and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, and this is also the uh, such a, and they probably do this now, but I haven't been to festivals in forever, so I don't know. But it's it's just funny to me. So the different stages weren't called like the main stage, the side stage, etc. These are the stage names. What stage? Which stage? This tent, that tent, the other tent, cinema tent. <laughs> <laughs> So when, you know, it's kind of like that, that Abbott and Costello, I think is the routine. Like, oh, who's on first? No, you're on first. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know. Uh, So I think they're playing off that. But here's the lineup on what stage, which is the main, main, the big stage. Jack Johnson, Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals, and Neil Young and Crazy Horse. So this is the first, the first day okay uh, on the big stage okay. and what's funny is i vaguely i not vaguely i distinctly remember nothing else about ben harper's set other than him bitching about all the people recording the show that day and <laughs> like like bonnaroo and people that don't know like jam bands hippie festivals the recording a show is like the most integral part of the fan base that has existed since the grateful dead allowed it to happen in the late 60s early 70s Mm-hmm. Like trading tapes mm-hmm. and stuff is like, that's why people love that band because they heard some show from 93 and they gave, Hey, I've got this night. They would trade tapes and stuff. So it was just weird to me that Ben Harper was like, he was trying to make a comment. Cause remember Kevin and it was 2003 and, uh, um, Metallica was bitching about, uh, um, Napster uh, and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. We were just on mm-hmm. the tail end of that. And there was mm-hmm. like literally students getting arrested at Ohio university because they downloaded the music and stuff. It was so weird. Like, <laughs> like getting, letters and then oh you would pass it on and be like yep you owe five thousand dollars and the fact that ben mm -hmm. harper was so like he could be pissed off about people stealing his music but like recording the show like i don't know it it was just a weird comment i remember him just yeah being out of touch so then on the side stages we had yonder mountain string band lucinda williams bella fleck and the fleck tones 
And, Kevin, you know Bella Fleck and the Flecktones because the basis from Bella Fleck and the Flecktones is none other than Victor Wooten. (laughs) (laughs) Which I love more than anything. You have this banjo player with possibly one of the funkiest, best bassists ever. Mm -hmm. And then you have this guy called Future Man. (laughs) Have you ever seen Bella Fleck? No, I've never seen him. And... (laughs) It's Victor Wooten's brother. Uh, his name's Roy Wooten. And he plays this... I don't even know what, how you describe it. It's a... It's a keytar, but but drums. Like, so he's the drummer. But with his fancy made... What is it called? Yeah, here we go. He developed a new electric electronic instrument called the Royale. Which resembles a piano but plays notes not found in the traditional Western music scales. <laughs> so, it's, so is it like a sitar then? Or, he says Western music scale, so yeah, I'm thinking I don't know, it's, it has to be an Eastern... But wild thing, I love watching them stuff. But anyways, so then in this tent, which is a smaller tent, you have Jason Mraz. This is hilarious because this is before That's Jason Mraz... Like, I heard of him, I think, you know, but mm-hmm. he was in this tent. Mm-hmm. You had Keller Williams, My Morning Jacket, Ben Queller, Sonic Youth. Oh, sorry, we're in that tent. Now we're in the other tent, which is Gavin DeGraw. Gonna be lately. I think I heard that That's song awesome. last time I was at the <laughs> dentist. <laughs> Wait, you heard it at the dentist? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then at the other tent, we also had Acoustic Kuka, who was another uh, Columbus band. <clears throat> which which is co- crazy to me. Uh, Acousticuca, for anyone that doesn't know, was a jam band from Columbus. They formed in the early 90s. To me, when I was growing up in Lancaster, when I was like, oh, I need to listen to all these jam bands in the mid to early 90s, to me, Acousticuca was just as good and big as bands like Mo and all those other span- all those other bands that weren't as big as Fish. And I never understood why they didn't get bigger in the jam mm-hmm. scene you know mm-hmm. it was just it was strange to me well uh, they were also always like changing right like uh, they they've like had like 30 renditions of that band um is that well correct? no i think i think really the main thing that happened with them is their guitarist or like they had two voices um let's see what was his name john mullins so, so i always knew so, so in their first few albums and again i haven't really followed them in 15 years or something so um, John Mullins and the other lead singer, uh, Steve Sweeney, I think they, they kind of had, it was very similar to, um, Bare Naked Ladies where they had two vocalists that you could kind of hear both songs and you hear both of them. And then Bare okay. Naked Ladies lost the one guy and now it's just the other guy. And it kind of sounds weird every time you hear Bare Naked Ladies. It's just always mm-hmm. the other guy. And mm-hmm. it, I feel like Acoustic Hookah was the same where John Mullins left and kind of lost that voice or that, that balance of different voices. And stuff. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, so that that was the first day. Okay. The second day on the main stage or what stage is Emmy Lou Harris, the Almond Brothers Band, Widespread Panic, and DJ Z-Trip, <laughs> which I have no idea who... <laughs> who that is um um and then on which stage you had um nickel creek which i'm so sad that i didn't oh, go see man. them like that would have been an awesome show yeah uh the roots okay on uh, this tent you had liz fair uh leo Kotke, and mike gordon okay you know mike gordon from fish yeah uh, that tent you had the flaming lips so playing in a really freaking tiny tent was the flaming lips and particle which is funny because the Flaming Lips, I I don't know if their um, album that kind of brought them back into the foray was out yet. Um, but before then, their biggest hit was uh, Vaseline. Mm-hmm. And then they came out with their like huge album, I think, either that year or the next year and stuff. Now they would not be on the Tiny Tent. You know, they'd be on a much bigger Right, tent. right. Um, let's see. I don't really see any other it's people. Funny. And then, and okay, so Sunday night, last night, you have Warren Haynes, Josh Wink. No idea who that is. Sorry, Josh Wink. <laughs> oh, he's a DJ. Oh, that's kind of cool. So they always had a DJ, it seems like. 
<laughs> so in in between the big X, they would have like a DJ, and that makes sense. Like we're gonna uh-huh. have thing. They had Galactic, James Brown. James Brown was there. Wow. How do I not remember James Brown being there? And the Dead, and and the Dead was the first time the Grateful Dead were forming as a quote unquote band called the Dead um, since Jerry Garcia died, and before that they were just the other ones. Like kind of a, a play on like oh Jerry died so Grateful Dead's dead you know mm-hmm. or done mm-hmm. yeah and okay and then on which stage there was New Mississippi All Stars G Love and Special Sauce Mo <laughs> on this tent yeah Drive By tr- holy crap I saw Drive By Truckers back in two thousand three that's so funny um and then that tent this is awesome Kevin O A R was at that tent back in two thousand three oh. <laughs> so I'm looking at the twenty nineteen lineup. And it's ve- it's a very eclectic mix. Not only do you have Fish there, but you have Cardi B, you have <laughs> Gu- Gucci Mane, you have the Lumineers, Walk the Moon, Grand Old Opry. So it's kind of just like a big old melting pot of it is. You know the Abbott brother brothers. Yeah, you know. I don't know. It's kind of cool that that type of festival exists, right? Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, even. Um, Woodstock, which is probably the, if you ask somebody to name a, a music festival, they'd probably still name that, you know, 40 years later. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which is weird that it's 40 years. Right? Which 50 which years. Back, no, 50 years. Back to, <laughs> back to that documentary, that's, they they tried to say that it was the Woodstock of, uh, because I guess, like, they said, like, Woodstock was a giant failure. Like, yeah. You know, there was there was there was no no restrooms. There yeah. was no this and that. But it it li- you know it lives in infamy, and so they were trying to like spin it off of like, well, this was like, yeah, it was a failure. But you know, they they'll still be talking about fire festival and and that's thought, you, know. you know well, and that's what's funny is Woodstock was a failure in so that they only expected like twenty thousand people to show up or fifty thousand mm-hmm. people show up. Mm-hmm. And instead, 400,000 people showed up, you know? Right. The band still played, and some of the most iconic performances in music history happened. Jimi Hendrix, (laughs) you know, happened at Woodstock. Mm -hmm. The Fire Festival didn't have (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) I'm sorry, but Ja Rule is not doing the... (laughs) Yes, people will probably still be talking about the Fire Festival 30 years from now, but it'll be on what not to do for a festival. The reason we even still have yeah. music festivals today is because Woodstock, for all its faults, was a success because 400,000 people showed up, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and am- amazing music happened and stuff. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's that's really funny that they had the audacity to compare themselves to Woodstock. <laughs> you know what drives me f-ing crazy is people that are famous for being famous. And anytime I hear the word Kendall Jenner, that's what I think of. It's like she has done nothing besides just be famous yeah you know yeah like she has come you know like she's launched like different projects and stuff like that but if it wasn't for her celebrity to begin with Uh you know yeah well i mean it would be talking when our podcast is super famous kevin we can launch all those things as well (laughs) yeah that's true and then we'll have the we'll have uh Kendall Jenner on on the podcast and <laughs> and then you can apologize like, to her. You can yeah, say, "I'm I mean, sorry, I just didn't understand I'm, how hard it was to be famous." <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I know you live in a fishbowl. I'm sorry. <laughs>